I did it. <laughs> I get so excited. Your backup plan tribe. Welcome to today's broadcast, our live stream. I'm so excited. I get so excited for every show, everyone that I meet, everybody that I interview. Um, it's not any other exception today. Welcome your backup plan tribe to our show today. If you are new here, welcome to our show. If you're a returning subscriber, thank you and welcome to all my new listeners and subscribers right down here at the bottom corner. Press that subscribe button so that you get notified. There's a little bell right next to it so you get notified of any uh, upcoming live stream shows as well as any uh, videos that I upload. So welcome your backup plan tribe. Please like, share and subscribe our show today with your friends and family. Um, my name is Tina Ginn. I am a podcaster, obviously. I'm an emergency preparedness coach and a financial expert and an app developer of Your Backup Plan app. And I'm located here in beautiful Vancouver, BC. We share each week news we share real and raw conversations with our listeners about their journey from a life-changing event. Yes, um, your backup plan puts your life all in one place. What does that mean? Everything that's all up in your head that nobody else knows about, all that stuff, in case of any unpredictable circumstance, while you know, that unpreparedness, that unexpected tragedy, that unexpected news, that unexpected car accident, all that kind of stuff. Well, it takes that painful aftermath out of that tragedy because, you know, there's nothing more um, strong. It gives you strength and um, courage because you have all of your stuff organized. Imagine that and you're not having to look for things or ask questions at the worst times of, of the moment. Um, so yeah, it takes all that painful aftermath away. So um, one thing that you can count on is that we're all going to die, get sick or get injured or lose everything in a disaster or lose something in a disaster. You know, there's so many different wildfires now with the um, change of the environment. There's floods, there's hurricanes, there's car accidents, there's diseases, there's COVID. Imagine that, COVID. Um, were we prepared for COVID? No. Were we anywhere prepared for COVID? No. And were we prepared for hurricanes or wildfires? No, we're not. So why not get better prepared? Because we are not Superman. Even though we think we are, we all live complicated lives, all in a rush, work, pleasure, family, all that kind of stuff, kids. We all have complicated lives. So why not get our crap together and put it all in one place so we don't have that stress. Um, I'd like to welcome my German listeners because you guys are really coming at the top of the list for our listening pleasures of our channel. Meine deutsche Freunde sind in unserem Podcast willkommen. Wenn Sie Kommentare haben, können Sie gern Fragen stellen. Also, danke für deine Freundschaft. Thank you, my German listeners, for listening. 
um, my Ireland listeners as well, on the top of the morning, would you? I don't know if that was, but hey, I tried. <laughs> Welcome, Ireland, as well to our show. Welcome, United States and Canada. Welcome, all of us. Welcome, all of us. So let's get the party started with our special guest today. Our topic is what just happened? Losing family members to COVID-19. And our special guest today is Coach Ida. Let's bring her on. Hi, Coach Ida. Hi, it was a pleasure to be here today. Awesome. And I'm so happy to have you come on our show today. You know, I can't believe our story is... You have lost so many family and friends to COVID. Now, if that isn't unexpected, I don't know what is, right? Yes. I lost a total of four family members and six friends to COVID. And so how did that all go down? Did it start right at the beginning of COVID or? Yes, it started. The first family member that I lost was on, it was on uh, April, April of, of 2020. And that was my aunt. My aunt and my uncle, they both had uh, the COVID at the same time. Uh, my un- my aunt uh, was getting worse. My uncle recovered after four weeks in the hospital. My uncle recovered, but my aunt didn't recover. She she was in the hospital for four, for four weeks. And then after that, they put it in a rehab center. And then she passed away in the rehab center. But because she passed away in the rehab center, my uncle, uh, you know, got sick because of the death and suffered a heart attack. Oh, no way. Mm -hmm. It's a true story, like where people get sick together and they want to lie and hold hands, right? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's heartbreak right from the soul. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yes. And what happened after that? Did you have all that stuff to clean up as well? That, that, you know, my cousins took care of it, but still it was family members. So you really... Um, you know, it's hurting. It was my favorite end, actually. So it really it hurts. And then after that, it was I. I take care. We take care of my father-in-law, and, and my and, and his uncle, and my uncle, I mean Gregory's uncle, my husband's uncle, and they both live here with us. And they both got sick with the COVID. So one was in the VA hospital, and my father-in-law was in the regular hospital, and he was fighting for his life when it comes to the COVID. Mm-hmm. At the same time that he, that he was fighting for his life, then I was diagnosed with COVID myself. And while I was uh, convalescent in my room, uh, uh, going through the COVID, my husband uh, complained that he was having some um, urinary tract infection. He feels he has symptoms of urinary tract infection. So I told him, you know, go to the to your to the GP, you know, and then get something for the urinary tract infection. So he went to the GP and they gave him a medication, an antibiotic. He started taking the antibiotic. And um, he started having muscle aches. And then he started urinating less and urinating less. By the third day, he was not urinating anymore. And I said, you know, you need to go to the bathroom. I mean, you need to go to the, the hospital right away. As, you know, so when he went to the hospital, they uh, did the C, because he got so much muscle pain, they did the CK test. The CK is a, is a parameter that measures you know, your muscle breakdown. We're supposed to have less than 100 because we're always, you know, changing muscle cells. He had 19,000. Wow. 19,000. And then his liver was shut down and he was in kidney failure. So they had to do an emergency uh, dialysis and uh, and some other uh, procedures to try to clean up the liver and all that. 
And the problem there was that one, he was, when he was in emergency, you know, because of the COVID, they check everybody, you know, and they check everybody mm -hmm. and they did a COVID test. And they said in the emergency that it was negative. Not to mention he already have done two tests because when we find out that my father-in-law have, have the COVID, everybody yeah. in the house got checked and he was negative then. And then I got, and I was negative too at the first time, but then I got started getting symptoms and then I got checked. And when I was positive, then everybody else went and checked themselves and he already have two negatives plus the emergency one that was three negatives. So he goes to them to the emergency room and they said it's negative. He fainted or whatever. They had to do that little procedure to put a little, uh, an emergency port to uh, to get the dialysis done. And they take him up. When he wake up the next morning and I call him, uh, he telling me that he's in the COVID floor. Oh, said, dear. Why are, you, <clears throat> why are you in the COVID floor if you don't have any COVID? You know, oh, that I don't know why they put me in the COVID floor. So I tried to talk to nurses and the doctor and then they telling me, and I'm telling them, you know, you need to do the test again because he was negative. There's no reason for him to be there. Oh, once they're in the COVID floor, we don't do the test like every five or six days. And I say, yeah, in five or six days, he will have the COVID. <laughs> and I know, I know you want to put that diagnosis in his paper, but I'm sorry. You're not getting money out of my husband. I need you to get, get him out of there. But they will not do it. They so I want to, I want to back up a little bit because, um, I want to emphasize that he's in the hospital by himself. By himself. And you are not able to go there. I'm not able to go because I had the COVID. And even if I didn't have the COVID at the time, I was not able to go because we still, there was still had that law in the hospitals that nobody can go in yet unless right. you're outside of the COVID floor. If you're outside in the COVID floor, then you can go, but only one person a day. You know, but I, he he was in the coffee floor, so nobody nobody's there to advocate for him or anything. In the, and one thing I want to tell people is that if you have a family member in the hospital, please call, please get informed. Even if you don't know anything about medicine, make sure that they tell you exactly what they're doing to your patient, to your to your family member. That way, and how they are, and how they are, because if you there pressuring, they will do they will do something because they know somebody's watching. Well, if you don't call and you don't do questions and you don't ask why they're doing it and why they're doing this or why you're giving this or why you're giving, they are going to leave you behind because they have so much to do. You know, so even yeah. though you were at home and you know a lot more than the, cause you're, you, I, I forgot to introduce you as the holistic health practitioner and a background in the medical field. Um, I'd like to, um, emphasize that you know a lot more than what the average person knows and um it, it makes it very difficult to fight for someone when you're not actually in front of them right exactly because when you're in front of them you know that they had to stop and see you, mm -hmm. you know, but when you're not there it's like a kid like i was telling you before a, a teenager you tell them to wash the dishes you go and get out to the house to do some errands you know they're not going to do the dishes after five minutes before it's time for you to go home <laughs> You know, because there's nobody there watching them. But when you're home, they're going to do it. It's the same thing happened over there. They have so much to do, you know, that they then they can go by the book, you know. And, oh, I don't need to go and see them. And they probably won't go to that room unless they need to give them a medication or something like that. And if the patient himself is not in a condition that he can be calling the nurse or pressing the button, things like that, you never know what's going to happen. 
So it is important. So I was sick myself, I, okay? And I keep calling to make sure that my husband is doing okay and make sure that what they're giving is the right thing. So I keep calling for them to change it out of the COVID floor. And I'm, I keep telling them, I need you to do the test. Two days later, they decide finally to do the test, okay? Yeah. They do the test, but that day they decided that he needed permanent dialysis, so they need to put a big port for the dialysis. So they're taking up to surgery to, to do the port, and when he was in surgery, the test came back negative. So I'm saying, yeah, thank God. Now that means that they're going to put him out of the cover floor. He got out of the surgery. They put him in the cover floor with somebody in his room that, that had the cover real back. Oh, my goodness me. Oh. So I called back again, and I'm fighting over there for them to move it out of the room. And they keep giving me the back around, the back around, the back around. So I decided I'm lucky enough to say that my husband's oldest daughter is a lawyer. And she's not only a lawyer. She works in the department of malpractice in, oh. her, in her firm. So we called her, and she called the, the, the hospital with her staff and tell them what happened, the administration from the hospital. Five minutes after her call, they removed my husband to the to the other floor. But even then, after he, they removed him to the other floor, they did three more tests just to make sure that he was negative. And all of it, she, he was negative when it comes to to uh, COVID. But things don't, don't finish there. Finally, I get better. I do my tests. I get two tests done. Mine's totally negative, and he's out of our COVID floor. But he's still, you know, critical. And then that's when we get the news that Papa passed away. So here he's in, he's in the hospital. And, and we, well, we received the move a little bit before I can get my, my two negatives. So I cannot go anywhere because I don't have my, my negative test. And my husband is critically in the hospital. And my husband is the only son. Oh, jeez. I exhort you people that get prepared. You know, if you are over 50, you should be prepared on how you're going to be preparing your funeral and things like that. That, that everything is organized because we're not, we're not, we were not organized that way. And we didn't have any, and then we should have because he was already eighty some, eighty five. It's not like he was a spring, spring chicken. Yeah, should have been more prepared, you know, in the, in that position. But we were not. We, he was pretty healthy, so we were not prepared for that, you know, to happen. Did and, you ha ever have family conversations about kinds of things that he wished to have? Well, I don't know if my husband had it with him, but I didn't have it with him, so you know. So you didn't even know that. I, I wasn't aware, to be honest with you. So the thing was that my my daughters had to take care of that. Oh, what a... They, they took care of all the arrangement. At the time, we had to put one together. It wasn't enough. We just did a cremation. And we still have his ashes here at home uh, of, of him. So it was a sad, a sad uh, situation for my husband because my husband is an only son. Right. And he loved his father. He was, he was a daddy's boy. I mean, he... Everything with his dad, everything with his dad. He took care of him until the very end, you know. And I think um, such a tragedy like that even affects you even worse when you're not feeling well yourself, right? You're you're not doing very well, so it yeah. it seems to hit your emotions a little bit stronger. And your health, because if you're emotional and depressed, then your health is is weakened, and that's yeah. exactly what happened. Because one after he got the news and everything, uh, finally I can go. I'm visiting, and when I go and visit him, the very first day that I visit him, he's very weak and everything, but I was able to get him out and, and help him take a shower and send him back to bed and everything. But then the second day when I go back, I see him, and his belly is distended, 
he was shivering. He got diarrhea. He wasn't, you know, and then he was, they were doing the, the dialysis at that moment. And I told the nurse, you know, he's shivering. I, I need you to take the temperature. He must have a fever, an infection, something has to be going on. Yeah. So the nurse, the nurse tell me, oh, that means that he's cold. Well, I, can't, I didn't know. That's one thing I didn't know is that when they do the dialysis, they can warm up the blood as it goes inside of, you know, inside of you. So she did that. And I, but after they finished the dialysis, he's still shivering. And I insisted for him to take the for them to take the temperature, and they said to me, and she said, "Okay, I'm gonna take it." And it was 98, 99.8. That's a little oh, bit of fever. And yeah. I said, That's a fever. And he and she goes to me, "Oh, that, that probably warm uh, fever because the, the blood was warm." And I said, "I said to her, I understand that, but the thing is, if he didn't have any other symptoms, I believe what you said. But the fact that he got a distended stomach, a diarrhea, okay, and he also had pus in the in the port the day before that they needed to clean." Uh oh, that could be you know something going on. I need to check. And then she said, "Well, we're gonna check the temperature in an hour. If it goes up, uh, up uh, from that, then we call the doctor." So an hour go by, an hour and a half go by, two hours go by. They don't check the temperature. So I took the machine and I take the temperature myself. When I check, it was a hundred point three already. So I go to the nurse station and I tell her the nurse, you know, it's a hundred point three. She got mad at me because I took it. You know, and I said, well, I had to do because you're not doing your job. Somebody have to do it. I don't want to wait until my husband died just because of you. You don't have time for him. So she come to check to make sure that he got 100.3. And then it, he did. And she was going to call. She told me she was going to call the nurse and he will ch she will check the temperature in another hour. But she went and unplugged the machines. She unplugged the machines and took it out, like to make sure that I don't take it again. Oh, no. Okay, so she, she, uh, she did that. And then an hour went by, an hour and a half. And he still don't, don't come back. So do you know what I did? I went to another room. I got the machine. I plug it in. And I took this temperature again. His temperature was 101. <sighs> I don't remember exactly how much it was. I went and I stand at the nurse's station. And I told him, let me tell you something. Either you call the doctor right now or I'm going to create chaos right now, right here. Because this is the temperature. I said, how did, I, again, you said you're going to be there an hour. You should be a woman of your word. You should be there an hour plus. Don't you have a clinical eye? You know, you can see that that man was good yesterday and today he got a stomachache. So, and he got diarrhea and he had pus yesterday. It could be an infection some, somewhere. Yeah. So I called the doctor right there because I was going to create chaos. And I talked to the doctor and I said to the doctor, listen, my husband had this and that. And I tell him, he, he needs you to do a culture in the blood to make sure he doesn't have a, a blood infection. I need you to do a culture in the feces to make sure that he don't have no C. diff. And I need you to do a CT scan of the abdomen because my husband has history of diverticulitis and his immune system is low. He could have a flare-up of the diverticulitis. That tells you right there how important it is for you to know your health history. Because when you know and a family member in your house know your health history, that's going to save your life because when the test came back, when the, the test came back, because she didn't want to do it. So she said, I'm just going to call the infectious disease. That's what she said. The doctor said. Oh. So the infectious disease doctor came in and he ordered exactly what I said. And it came back positive for the CDF and it came back positive for the diverticulitis. Okay. So now if the doctor never did the CT scan, because if I didn't tell you that he had history of diverticulitis, he didn't know, know that. He probably would do the CDF thing and the, and the culture, but never yeah. do the CT scan because there's no history. He didn't know about the history. Right. If would, they would not know about the diverticulitis. So that's why it's so important. I always tell everybody, it is important for you to keep a history of your health. That's how you prepare for a situation like this. 
you should put like you should have a, a folder. I tell this to all my clients. You should have a folder where you put the last notes of your doctor, any tests that you have done, CT scan, MRI, you know, whatever, blood tests there, the list of your medications and supplements. Okay, and then log in. Let's say if you have suffer high blood pressure, log in your last two weeks of your blood pressure. If you suffer sugar, the last two weeks of your sugar. If you suffer any pain in the body, the last two weeks of the pain, so that you can have all the history there. So when you need it, and in, in a situation like this where you, we cannot go and see the patient, you know, you can have a family member. You know where it's at, and some family member that you trust or a friend will know where it's at, so they know what to ask the doctor. And what kind of information? Because another thing is that the people people are falling into the hospital, okay? Yeah. They are unconscious or not able to advocate for themselves, but nobody can because nobody knows their history. Nobody know uh, 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 what's going on. Nobody know what they're taking. Nobody. So the the doctors yeah. are going blind. And at the end of the day, you don't kind of even blame the doctors because they're going blind. So it is our job to give the doctors as much information that we can, so they can make an informative diagnosis. Absolutely. And you know, Coach Ida, it's wonderful advice because there's no hospital that's any different around the world from what you were just talking about. It happens in Canada. It happens in the United States. It happens in England. It happens everywhere. And in your backup plan app, there's a medical section where you can Put a photo of your prescription. You can write down how you're feeling. You can write down whether you took the medication or not, whether you, you know, because sometimes you do get prescriptions that you don't, you know, you think, oh, I won't take it. I'll just wait. And and it, it does get better. Um, but yeah, so you can log all of your surgeries and how you're doing and what doctor you saw so that someone, a guest user like yourself, can actually say, hey, Dr. Harisma was, saw him on October 15th and he did this. You know, so it all helps with all of this medical knowledge so that you can be proactive with your patient or with your family member or who friend or whoever it is, right? Because yes, sometime, sometimes... Sometimes... Life and death. Yeah, well, and sometimes people are alone. What happens when you don't have family members by your side like you? Well, what the reason what is good to have that something like that because now they have apps you can have it in the in your phone. Yeah, you know, and and, and if you have it in your phone, and people already know that, I mean, you make it known, you know, to to your friends, you make it known. To, the, to your primary care, to your doctor, that you have that kind of information, somebody will figure it out and can get it out of, of, your, right. of your phone or right. whatever it is so that you can, or maybe you can carry a little card with the main things of the medication or the last time you did a procedure and where or whatever. But we need to have that type of information to help the doctor to do a diagnosis information. And that doesn't only work when you go to the hospital. It works also when you go to the doctor. Because let me give you an scenario that happens a lot in the doctor's office. Here goes a patient that suffered high blood pressure. Okay, comes to the doctor, the, the the nurse come and do all the vitals, and the blood pressure is high. Okay, but their blood pressure being normal every single day at home. Uh oh. But they didn't check. They didn't bring a log to the doctor. So there's 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 a thing called white cold syndrome. Is that we get nervous when we get to the doctor, and your blood pressure will always be high in the doctor. 
but at home it's not. So if you have brought to the doctor the log of your blood pressure, the doctor will not give you another medication. Now the insurance is telling the doctor, you cannot let go of that patient out of that room until the blood pressure comes down, okay? And until you give him another medication and they need to follow that protocol. So now you go home with an extra medication, with extra side effects, more money that you have to pay for, that you really didn't need because you didn't do your job. Absolutely. So that, and then another thing that happened, for example, when you don't have a record of what you're taking and give it to the doctor, here comes a patient. This happened to the elderly a lot that have less, less knowledge. They go, let's say a person that go to three different doctors. Let's say you go into the endocrinologist, to the cardiologist, and to your GP. And uh, the GP gives you some water pill because of your blood pressure. Then you go to the cardiologist and he notices that you have, C, uh, that you have a CHF and he going to give you another water pill, but another name. So now you don't know that they're related because you don't know nothing about medicine. So now you have two water pills already. And then you go to the endocrinologist and the endocrinologist is going to give you another water pill because something related maybe with the kidneys or whatever. He give you another that is not even those two. So now you're taking three water pills. And this happened to one of my patients, okay? She was taking three water pills. She was so dehydrated that she was crossing the street and she fainted, fainted while it was crossing the street, almost a car heater, okay? <sighs> because she was super dehydrated. Why? Because she was taking three three water pills. Because you don't understand that, the, that it's not that the doctor is not communicating with the other doctors. It's that the staff is the one that do the job, not the doctor. And if the staff is not efficient, the other doctors are not going to get it on time to know what you're taking. So that's why you need to bring to the doctor what you're taking. So the yeah. doctor can do you know, the right thing. Right. Once again, you're responsible. There's a saying that I say to all my clients is that the doctor is responsible for your sick care, but you, yes, you are responsible of your health care. Our healthcare is our responsibility. They they take care of when we're sick. They give us something to get us better and to uh, optimize, not optimize to uh, how you say that. Just just to get to get you into a state of, of normalcy. But you are the one that have to take care of your healthcare because right. that's what medicine. People don't understand. Medicine was not created to maintain health. Medicine was created to rescue your body from injury, trauma, and sudden illness. Or exacerbation of a disease. Once they stabilize you, it's your job and responsibility to take care of yourself and bring yourself health. Right. So what happened after with your husband? He stayed in there for another while? He was in the hospital for 21 days. Finally, they get in, uh, they let him go home with an uh, uh, outpatient dialysis. And uh, we go out on outpatient dialysis. And let me tell you something. My husband, like I was telling to you before, he worked in the airport. He does, you know, the one that changes tires and, you know, landing thing and all the maintenance for the airplanes. And sometimes he needs to help with the luggage and all that stuff. So he got an upper body like a bodybuilder because of all this. He lost all his muscles. Okay, he lost all the muscles. And then he needed to go into the dialysis. And dialysis is, is he's already depressed for what happened to his father. Okay, depressed for the, you know, sad because of the of things that are happening. You know, his body's not the same as before and he doesn't have the energy or anything like that. And every single time they go to dialysis, it's like a truck went over them. They don't have no energy for doing anything else. When we go to the dialysis, the first thing I see, they give us a tour of the place and they give us a tour to the snack bar that they have for, because they'd be there for four to five hours for dialysis. So they got a snack bar. So I go there and, and the snack bar is two two vending machines, one with Doritos and Kit Kat and Snickers and Cheetos and all that good stuff. And <laughs> the other one with uh, 
with uh, uh, Dr. Pepper and Coca-Cola and all the other stuff. No water. There was no water. So I asked the, the nutritionist and I said, but why, you know, you do giving this, you know, that, the, that you all know that the majority of the patients, 99% of the patients that are in kidney failure is either because they have uncontrolled uh, hypertension that damage the kidneys or uncontrolled diabetes that damage the kidney. That's usually the case. Why? Why are you going to give them things that have a tons of sugar and tons of salt? And, uh, and she said to me, oh, don't worry about it. They're getting the dialysis right now. So all the garbage is coming out in the blood. Not, don't you understand that before things get into your blood, your body has to metabolize it, your cells have to receive it. And then what what you probably get out of the blood is the leftover. Whatever damage is caused to your cells is already caused. So do you already put a lot of free radicals? Because when you everything that we metabolize, everything that you smell, everything that you think, everything that you eat, everything that you put in your skin, they get metabolized by your cells. You make free radicals. What are free radicals? Are negative ions that they are unpaired. It's like they are divorced. And those ions want to get married. And because they want to get married, they damage that cell to get to the other cell, you know, to get a pair. But what happens is that they keep damaging and damaging and damaging. And all that damage is called oxidative stress. And now that you are oxidized, you're oxidized like metal oxidized. Then your cells don't look like the cells that are supposed to look like. So your immune system is going to say, oh, my God, that doesn't belong there. And it's going to send a, a, an inflammatory response. And that's why chronic inflammation comes in. And 200 or more chronic diseases, root cause is oxidative stress and inflammation. Mm -hmm. So that you're doing all that just before anything getting to the bloodstream. Yeah. So, you know, that's why the people don't get any better. But I was very strict with my husband. With the diet, I control his diet and his supplementation. Being targeted to the things that he need, making sure he's taking enough phosphorus. That the, the amount of protein is right, the, the amount of potassium is right. Because you have to be very when 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 it takes to the kidneys, you have to be very specific on the minerals and nutrients that you put, so that you don't put any overwork the the kidney. So I keep doing that, and as soon as soon as they started me taking care of his diet instead of the diet that he was getting in the hospital, he started urinating. You couldn't be in my house. Like we, we, we make a party every single time he went to the bathroom. That was the only time in your lifetime that you are celebrating pee, okay? Well, no, when your kids are little and they go to the bathroom and the toilet, you yeah, celebrate yeah. that moment too. <laughs> yeah, but we were like celebrating. And, and within four months of my husband being in dialysis, our patient, he was uh, released from dialysis and he recovered his kidney function. Wow, good for you. Um, well, I mean, there is a common message out there for computers, and I'm sure it's the same for your body. Um, crap in is crap out. So you have to watch the stress that you're putting on your organs to be able to build your recovery and your health up. Were you able to spend more time with him beside him on the bedside? When, at the when end? When he was in the hospital, I was able to, to like the last week that he was in the hospital was the week that I was able to to visit with him in the hospital. And then, of course, at home, what I did is I put my maintenance on hold. Everything was on hold. My whole time was to nurture my husband back and to go through all the grieving. Because not only, not only we lost uh, our family members, after uh, at that point, we have only lost three family members, my aunt, my uncle, and my father-in-law. Mm -hmm. Then after that, his uncle passed away. That was the younger brother from my father-in-law. And then we have six friends, and four of them were my husband's co-workers. That my husband been working there 37 years. 
So you know that these wow. are people that are like family that pass away from COVID. And then we have two people from church. Young, one was 31 and the other one was 26. So from, from uh, COVID? One from COVID and another one from a car accident. Wow. But, but still, it was everything that happened, like mm -hmm. too much. That happened between between April and, and December. Crazy. Like every month, somebody was passing away. Every single month, somebody was passing away. Were people doing any, making any planning for celebrations or funerals arrangements? Or did thing, they? Especially with the younger ones, people were not ready. People were not ready. My, for my aunt and my uncle, they were, they were kind of ready. They had things planned. Uh, um, and my uh, husband, uh, uncle, I'm not sure if they have anything planned. But for these co-workers, a lot of, they, they were young. They were in their 40s. They were not planning. They didn't have no plan for anything. And and yeah. the last one that passed away was the 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 thirty two year old that that passed in a car accident. They didn't. They had to cremate her too, and they didn't even have money. They only viewed it for two hours. That was it. A view was two hours. That was it because they, they couldn't afford anything else. Well, it's expensive. Uh huh. And they had to cremate her because they couldn't afford anything else because they were not prepared. No, not everybody was prepared for something like this. And we need to start getting prepared with this this uh, experience to me. Once my husband was home and uh, I was relaxing, you know, just taking care of him, we reorganized our, all our papers with our uh, life insurance and all that good stuff that we needed. I reorganized and I went and I get the same thing for my mom. I make sure she have everything reorganized and I knew where everything for my mom was there, you know, for her funeral, for everything that it was set. I started reorganizing and then my other aunt that lived uh, in the same building as my mom also to get things organized. To make sure that I tell my 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 cousins, you know, get Titi to have everything organized so that yeah. everything. Because after the experience that I have, you know, it's not, it wasn't nice, you know. And no. It's not that it's not nice, but it's very painful when you know that somebody that give you all your life and all the love that they were there for you, and now, you know, you you want to celebrate when they're gone. You know, you want to you want to celebrate they're gone, and then you you feel bad that you're not able to give them that the 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 burial that they deserve. Well, not only that, but you you can't give them their wishes. Exactly. Because you don't know. Not only that, sometimes, you know, even religious, it, it, there's religious uh, uh, things that they want to do. You know, like, you know, usually in a Christian in a Christian uh, uh, religion, you want to bury the body. You don't want to cremate. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we were not able to do that. You know what I'm saying? And we know how he feel when it comes to that. He didn't have to tell us. That's the, that, that's the church he ever always went to. You yeah. Know? So. But even with cremation, I mean, there's other arrangements that we talked about before in shows is what are you going to do with the cremation? And what happens when you go? What happens to the cremation of that person? Where does it go then? And that's sometimes where it, it gets lost in from generation to generation because it starts fading. The next generation knows less and the next generation knows less. And who does this get passed down to? And what did they want done with their cremation? What did they, you know, what did they want? Because you never had the opportunity to ask them. That is so true. That That is very true. I don't know exactly what their plans is going to be because you see my, my husband is the only father. So he's the only one that can do anything with it. I mean, an only son, so he's, he cannot, he's the one that had to make the decision what he's going to do, but we still have him here. 
but he's not ready to part with it. No, he's not ready to part with it yet. And yeah. COVID's created an issue with celebration and funerals and grieving the mm -hmm. whole grieving process. And he's just trying to come around from his own sickness. It's hard for him to do both, right? To, to, cause he's grieving for himself and his own body and his change. And now he has to grieve for, for his family members. And, oh my goodness, that's, that's a hard, hard road to go through. And as you know, things are, things are happening. I think I, I keep telling my husband the other day, I think people are, are dying like flies because it's not only COVID. <laughs> Cancer is taking care of, my husband just went to another funeral on Saturday of his co-worker's mother that, that died of cancer. Yeah. That's another thing that, that is happening. We need to take more, more responsibility about taking care of ourselves and taking care of our bodies. That's one thing, that's one thing that you can do to, not that you're never going to die, but at least to make sure that your lifespan is a lot longer. Well, yourself. I know in Canada, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere, but cancer, heart, atta heart attacks and strokes where, or car cardio issues are two of the most pertinent problems during COVID because of the lockdowns. And they weren't able to get their normal treatments that they would normally get, be getting. They weren't able to drive perhaps to the facility because there isn't one or, you know, we, ha we have a van that traveled to picks up patients and brings them to the hospital for their, for their treatments and brings them back. Um, there, there's different volunteers that do all sorts of things like that. And during COVID, it's all shut down. And so this is created, they're talking about it now after a year about how it's affected all of these patients that have been scheduled for treatments and how it had to be readjusted during these times. And that didn't help anybody with these sicknesses either. In here, the same thing, people that, that lapsed medication because they didn't get it on time because they couldn't be go to the office to request it faster. People that probably didn't get the right treatment because it's not the same thing people, they're doing a lot of telehealth here. Okay, and it's not the same thing as telehealth yeah. and actually being able to see the person and palpate and touch and you know check what is going on with the patient. You're going to you're going by what they're telling you. It might not show in a, in a, in a screen. Right. Yeah, we're doing that here as well now with COVID. Um, I know my mom's spoken about it a lot and says, "Why do they? What's with the telephone appointment?" <laughs> yeah, she's like she's. Seven and definitely doesn't understand that. <laughs> no, they don't like it. My mom don't like it either. My mom don't. My, she want to go to the to the to the office. So now what they're doing here is that they screening what type of visit need to go to the office and whatnot. And I and I did forget to say where you're from. Um, for every, all our listeners, Coach Ida is actually from uh, near Mickey Mouse Land in Florida. Yes. Florida, yes, and so, here. The, the 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 incidence of COVID was a lot higher than a lot of states. Yeah, we had a lot of COVID here in in, in Florida. Now things are, are are coming down now because most of the people are getting vaccinated and everything, but still it was really bad here. And, yeah, and shutdown was really shut down. They shut down Disney. If they shut down Disney in Florida, you know things are serious. <laughs> <laughs> things are serious. If they shut down Disney because that's a place I never shut down. That's your secret. Secret knowledge, is it? Yeah. 
<laughs> these are serious when they when they're really close. But yes, and and like I said before, people, we need to take care of ourselves. Another way to prepare for the for for this kind of thing is taking care of yourself, so that way you don't have to go through those things. Yes. You know, I always tell everybody, you know, I want everybody to become the CEO of their health because everybody out there is always wanting, you always want to be a leader. You always want to be a CEO of, of a company or be the boss, but start by being the boss of yourself. You look at yourself like your body is your company and your cells are your employees. Your organs are your equipment. Your systems are your department and your nutritional lifestyle is your human resources. So are you a good CEO? Are you giving yourselves what they need in order for them to make healthy tissues? So those healthy tissues can make healthy organs and the healthy organs can make healthy systems. So the system can make a healthy body that will last you longer, okay? That you'll be able to enjoy life and don't need to have to go to the hospital. I paid for not going to the hospital. I'd rather pay $10 for an avocado if it comes to that price that's gonna make me healthy than having to pay $10 for an aspirin inside the hospital because I'm unhealthy. Right. I know here you can have some blood work done and it goes into a program where you can log into yourself, your own account and find out what the report says. Exactly. And there's a lot of people that don't do that. And if they do that here, I, I mean, I'm sure I'll be, I'll be, I'll be uh, telling everybody to do that because how are you going to take care of yourself if you don't know your numbers? Right. You're supposed to be checking at least, at least once a year, what is your cholesterol, what is your sugar, what is your blood pressure, what is your uh, uh, liver enzymes, your kidney function, your electrolytes. So from there, and your thyroid, if you're a man, your PSA, if you're a woman, your hormones, and have that basic workup done, and then you can work from there. You know, after you see that, you know, okay, I have high cholesterol, then I need to control this type of eating and this type of eating. My sugar is, is creeping up. Okay, I need to, you know, load down in my carbs. And that will let you uh, know exactly what you have to do because if you don't know, how are you going to do it? But right. But they that here. Yeah, uh, I, I say that to a lot of people. Have you checked your blood work report? Oh, no, I, I, I don't check that. I just go to the doctor and they tell me. Why are you going to leave it up to the doctor? Why don't you compare your report from last year to this year and and really look at it and say, okay, now I might not know what those numbers mean, but I see on the report that they're high. So now I can ask the doctor more pertinent questions about that. And let me tell you something, the doctor, when they look in, because I work, I work 27 years in the doctor's office, okay? When the doctors are looking at, the, at, at your blood work report, they only tell you the things are in red. If they're in red, that means they are normal. If they're not in red, then they'll tell you, but something can be creeping up, you know, little by little. That's like last year, it was 20, now today is 22 in the next. So he's not telling you about those things that are creeping up that you can take charge down before it goes to red. Right. You know, they're not yeah. telling you that. Oh, there's some things that are red, but they're not as significant. They're not going to, or they think they're not going to cause as much as a difference. So they might not tell you those. They're going to tell you something that is real, real critical. Like if you kidney failure, you know, if you have kidney problem, they're going to tell you that. But if your potassium is a little bit, no, they're probably not tell you that unless it's critical. Right. You no, know, because they don't have all day to be telling you every single thing. So that's the reason why you need to keep those papers. So you can look at those things. That's why I say about in the folder in here. I don't know about in Canada, but in the United States, you're the owner of your records. 
You can get out of the, out of, out of, out of the doctor visit and request a copy of everything so you can put it in your folder. Yes, x-rays and everything. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. way you can look at it and then you can you can you can understand what's going on with your body and take uh, action about about what you want to do with your lifestyle to take care of yourself. Yeah. And, you know, that's why your backup plan, um, why we created the next step, which is the emerging blueprint program. So it gives you instructions on each section of the app and the medical section lets you know that what kinds of things you should be looking for and what kinds of things you should be putting into your file and what kinds of things that you should be knowing about and whether or not you understand what's on your report it doesn't matter because you can now take that report to your next doctor's visit and ask i doctor i noticed that my cholesterol numbers aren't in the red but I noticed them higher from last year. What does that mean? You can start asking questions about it to, to understand it. And if you wouldn't have that report, you wouldn't be asking those questions. Exactly. Not only that, that nowadays you got Google. And with Google, you learn a lot. You can yeah. search things with Google and, and figure that out. That's why it's so important to have that information. So you yeah. can search in Google and, and, and figure it out, and then you'll be able to ask the right question. And then come prepare to the doctor's office with the questions already written so you don't forget anything yeah. that you have to ask the doctor. That way you start working on everything. It's important important for us to keep those, those papers. So yeah. thank goodness that your husband's back to his normal job again. How is that working out for him? Well, right now they have it in light duty. He's not doing all the heavy lifting as before yet well in his in his job because of, he's so physical he need to pass a physical exam you know in order to be able to do the other part so he passed the physical exam uh, for certain parts so now he, he's doing a, a, a light duty and he also doing some uh he going to the gym now they wanted him to do physical therapy but here in the united states the way the insurance works is that you go when they, when you get when you start a new year then you have a new deductible that you have to meet and our deductible is about three thousand something dollars. We don't have, we didn't have the three thousand something dollars at the beginning of the year. So that means that I had to pay one hundred and seventeen dollars every single time he go to physical therapy. So we didn't have that. You know, it's, he go three times a week. So that was a lot. So yeah. what I did was that I, I find out a gym that had the machine that checked the muscle mass because the job need to know his muscle mass and the doctor. So the, this particular gym have the machine that do the muscle mass thing. And when you go first. It's free, but then if you need it more often, then you pay $40. That was okay for me to do that. So now I went and I learned the exercise that he needed to do from the physical therapist. And we started doing the things in the in the gym and getting the, the, the muscle mass test. So he's been doing that. And that's how we've been working out. And then he's continuing his diet and doing everything like before. But now he's doing much better. Uh, when it comes to the, you know, his thinking and his grieving, we are we are very uh, spiritual and we are uh, very Christian. And we a lot into the word and praying and meditation and doing the devotional and all that. So that have helped a lot. That's and good. Yeah, and uh, and understanding that because you know at the end of the day you know he was such a good child he took care of his father and all that stuff and and my father-in-law used to tell him I love you every day every day he was like thank you for taking care of me and I love you he used to say that all the time you know he used to say that to us all the time so you know you should be happy that you were able but the thing is that you know he didn't get to see him for four weeks 
And, you know, that can have a blessing and not a blessing because you didn't see him for four weeks and then he passed away. But at the same time, you don't have that memory of, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't like too much going into funerals because I don't like to see the people in the casket. So at least my husband doesn't have that kind of memory of him in the casket. He got the memory last time he saw him home laughing. Right. You know, and so. the, the other thing I find that is difficult is that he has to try and find out for himself is that he wasn't able to be by his side. That mm -hmm. must kill him inside. Yes. yes. That's one of, another thing that, that because when he first went into the hospital, my husband wasn't yet in the hospital. Yeah. But we still couldn't do anything. The only thing that, that, that was helpful is that my one of my daughters is a nurse. And she worked for the same hospital, but not in the same campus. But because it's the same hospital, you know, all computers connected. So she was paying attention to what they gave them and all that stuff. So that was a good thing, you know. That was handy. Yeah. That, listen, to me and my daughter, we, 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 we were working with also with my husband because she had access to, to everything in the computer and, you know. Oh, nice. Well, that really worked out well for a stranger. It would be difficult. Yes. How many children do you have? We have a total of five. It's a it's a blended family. My husband had three girls from his first marriage, and I have one girl from my my first marriage. And then together we made the boy. The boy is seventeen, and our daughters are 32, 31, 30, and twenty nine. Mm, nice. That's yeah. quite the family. That's awesome. Yeah. And the boy so, is a <laughs> What what happened with your um, aunt and uncle then? That was next, right yeah. after. Yeah, my aunt and uncle when they when they passed away, they they got buried. They they did a short funeral and everything, but they were able to get a, a normal funeral with uh, everything, you know, together. But uh, what happened was that they expected my aunt already, but, but because my uncle came back home uh, better, it was when my aunt died that he that he had a heart attack and then died in the hospital. So oh. that was very painful. Oh dear! Especially I mean for the kids, for its kids was very painful because they didn't expect to lose both of them at once, you know? No. And the but, changes and the things that you wouldn't know about your bank accounts and your investments and. Yes. Uh, well, know, they didn't just, know what to do with everything. Like when it comes to that part of it, I have no idea how to handle it because I'm not able, he just, my uncle, I'm not able to be present for that kind of stuff that the kids did. But I know that my cousin, my aunt used to, to babysit her kids. So now, you know, she's not there to do that. Right. So she had, you know, she had, uh, uh, she suffered diabetes prior to COVID. So that thing exacerbated the situation. You know, you have any comorbidities that's going to exacerbate the situation. And my uncle have uh, a CHF. And I think the suffering was mostly what caused the, the situation because he recovered from the COVID. So what you're saying is it doesn't matter about your medical condition, the color of your skin, the age of yourself, get planned, get organized. Yeah. Not right now that you listen to this show, that's the moment when you're supposed to start planning right now. It doesn't matter what age you have. It doesn't matter what race you're coming from. It doesn't matter if you're healthy or not. You have to take, start planning now because you never know what happened. This was just COVID. We are now starting hurricane season. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You never know what can happen now in hurricane season, for example. Or you flooding. You can drown in a, in a flood. You can. You, you never know. So no. that's why we need to be planning to have a plan and make sure that the, the pertinent people know about your plan. Somebody in your house and somebody outside of your house. Right. 
So if and, anything, and that's why the app is so wonderful because it's on this. And everybody can carry and, it. And everybody that you give access to can have access to it. And nobody else will, but those people that you want to. So that's your plan all on that phone. So even if you go to the doctor's office and you're sitting there waiting, you can start going into your app and putting, I wasn't feeling good today. I have this cough. Like, what are your symptoms? And then you go into the doctor and you take a picture of your prescription and follow up note is I got this from him. And he says, check back with him in two weeks you know, whatever that looks like. But now you're starting to have a sex, a subsequential order of what your visits look like, what your prescriptions look like, what your medical history looks like. And it's very important for older people with issues. It's important for disabled people that have issues because I don't know how many clients I've talked to in the past and said, when was your last surgery? Jeez, I don't know. Um, and what was it? Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> they don't even know what they have or not have in their bodies any longer. I had that a lot because I, when I was a medical assistant, I had to take their history. You know, I had to help them fill out the papers with the history, and they could not remember it. Sometimes no. they do a hysterectomy. They, they did a total or they did partial. Did you still have your ovaries? They could even tell me that if they have ovaries or not have ovaries or whatever. It is so true what you're saying. It would blow my mind. And and the same with insurance papers, because I'd go to their home and I'd say, okay, where's your insurance documents you want me to review for you? And they put out, no kidding, 20 different policies, all different policies. And I'd say, do you even know what you have? No. Do you know if something happened to you today and you weren't able to work, what you have for income to come in, what you would have for a possible policy that would help pay for something? No. Well, what good is it having it then? I, I just, I, it blows my mind. And that's why I created the app because it blew my mind to not understand how people can be thinking that they have everything covered and they don't. That's because they don't have anything organized. That's why I said that once this thing, this thing happened to us, I went to my mom and organized her papers. I, I make sure I organize all our papers and uh, my aunt to organize her papers because I wanted to make sure that this doesn't happen again and that we have everything that we need in one place where everybody, like, for example, my daughter and, my, and his older daughter know where our things are. If anything happened to us, there are two people outside of the house that know where things to find everything here for that pertaining to us. Right. And that's why I included worksheets in the program as well, so that you can sit with your mom and tick off the tick boxes and write down notes and ask the questions that you might not have thought about. Um, and then you can put them into the file and you know what her wishes are, even as hard as it is, you know, because our podcast is talking taboo with Tina. It's a lot of teas. Um, but it truly is. It's taboo subjects that we just don't, we don't ask, we don't talk about. We feel like, well, they have their shit under control, so they're okay, but they don't. 
And it doesn't matter what occupation you have. You could be a CEO, you could be uh, a worker, a caregiver, you could be an at-home mom. It doesn't matter. Everybody's in the same boat. They're not ready. We're not ready. Exactly. So what happened um, with yourself, with your stroke that you had prior to all of this? Well, prior to all of that, I had, when I was, uh, I've, since I was a baby, I have a whole bunch of, uh, of conditions because I was a preemie baby. So I have eczema and I have asthma. Uh, I had to use braces for my feet. I had a, 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 a murmur in my heart and I was suffering high blood pressure. Everything clear up, but the high blood pressure. The high blood pressure never clear up. So when, you know, when you're a young adult and a, and, a, and a teenager, you don't take care of yourself like you're supposed to. So by the time I was 31 years old, I suffered a major stroke. That wow. left all my left side paralyzed. I was a single mother. I didn't have no insurance when I had the stroke. I still paid for that bill because it was $53,000 for me oh to be for, for that. Okay, so I came out of the hospital and I didn't have, you know, the money to go and do physical therapy or anything like that. So I have to learn by myself and have some friends that help me out, you know, to do the exercise and stuff like that to recover my my function. You know, uh, until this point, I don't have no strength. I can hold something out with this hand, I might drop it because I don't have the strength that I used to have before. But after that, it was like my, my health went downhill, okay? Every single, uh, they give me a medication, my body will get used to that medication, and then I end up in the hospital again. I will end up in the hospital three, four times a year Okay, it was so bad. My family used to say, here goes Ida to another retreat because I was going, it's like my body was not accepting that, you know, we'll get used to that medication and then it will not work anymore and go over yeah. it, same thing. And, and then through all that in and out of the hospital, I suffered another three small strokes, TIA. Okay. And by the end of all this, I'm taking 19 pills a day. It was nine medications, uh -huh. but some of them were two times a day, three times a day. So I was taking 19 pills a day. I look like a drug addict taking all this medication. And mean to me, I'm working in a doctor's office. I've seen the same thing that is happening to me, to some of my clients. I'm not getting any better, okay? By then, my son was seven years old, and then my my daughter was getting married and giving birth. And when my daughter gave birth, and I was there with her, and I saw my granddaughter uh, uh, being born, I said to myself, I want to live long enough to be able to enjoy my grandkids and enjoy my son and be able to play ball with him and do the things that I want to do with him. You know, but if yeah. I in this boat, I'm not going to be able to see that. So I said, I need to, something have to give, something have to change. You know, so I said to myself, I'm already doing the medicine. I'm already following up whatever they tell me to do and it's not working. So you have to do something else. So I decided to go to start doing research into Ajuvederva, functional medicine, holistic medicine, natural medicine, Chinese medicine, you know, uh, functional medicine, just to, to figure out things. And then I went back to school and became a holistic health practitioner. As I was as I was learning things, I will apply it into myself because at that point I was 293. I was uh, a size 20 on clothes. I was taking 19 pills. I didn't oh. have no energy whatsoever. Okay, I don't even know until to this day. I don't know. It was by the grace of God that I was able to function in my job because I did I did IVs. I gave injections. I draw blood. I don't know how I did it because half of the time, you know, th some of the medication side effect was that they make you sleepy, but because mm -hmm. Fight the side effect because I had to be at work. Then at night I couldn't sleep. I mean, it was a disaster. It was like a cycle. Yeah, it was, it was like a cycle. I was I was feeling I was in my in my in my late thirties, early forties, and I felt like I was sixty. 
because yeah. of the way that I was feeling. Finally, I start switching things and, 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 and taking consideration of the things that I eat and doing more exercises and using some more herbs and things like that that will target exactly my condition and the situation that I'm going through. And within the first five months of doing that, I went from the 19 pills to three pills and I lost the first 40 pounds. Oh, awesome. And then um, now I used to be 293, now I'm 216. I was uh, size 20 and now I'm size 14. I was taking three pills at the end. Now I'm taking only one pill. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been in a hospital in the last eight years. Oh, that's awesome. And you've yeah. made it through COVID too. And I made it through COVID. And, and when I had the COVID, I didn't have the no, I cannot breathe thing that most of the people have. Because in March, when the, when the COVID started, uh, I, I, I decided to use this protocol, a protocol that is vitamin D, vitamin D3, mm -hmm. vitamin C, uh, zinc, uh, echinacea, and revesterol. And I, we were all in the house take that. So my, my, my son never got it and my husband never got it, got the COVID. But I got the COVID maybe because I was here all day. My husband would go out of work. I would be here all day with my father-in-law taking care of him. I think. So that's probably uh, uh, why I, uh, I got it. But uh, but on the other hand, you know, that's what I did. I, I took care of myself and I did. So I, when I got it, I didn't get the, it was more than muscle aches and the headaches and the congestion and the cough. Like a flu. Like a flu, like a real hard flu. And that kept me in bed for about two weeks. But I didn't have the, I cannot breathe thing that everybody else gets. Mm -hmm. We had uh, a chap here on our news a few weeks ago who died at 46 oh. from COVID and he had it for 10 days. And can you imagine she, the wife came out of the bedroom. He slept on the couch because he felt more comfortable like lying upwards to mm -hmm. breathe and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he said he was fine and she was keeping track of any symptoms and he had said he was fine and it's only 10 days. And she woke up and he was dead on the couch. And she has two little kids that came out and had to see their dad who oh. had died on the couch. Yeah. And to think afterwards that you would have that grief inside of you and that anger of why didn't I take him to the hospital? Oh my God. Yes. You would, you, you know, how would you get rid of that in, inside of you? Um, even though it's not your fault, it's, it's hap It happened. And maybe he didn't even realize how sick he was. The, the thing is that you feel the guilt either way. If the, you take him to the hospital, if you don't, because our guilt was when, when my father-in-law got sick, Okay, we never thought it was it was covered. We thought he was dehydrated. Okay, he fainted at the end. He always used to go walking around the, the block to get his exercise. And one and one day he was walking in and walking and he fainted, but he would not wake up. So I called 911. And when I called 911, they took him to the hospital. And then after that, we never see him again. So yeah. that 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 thing goes into your inside of you, like you know. Maybe if I would have tried to revive him and 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 take care of his dehydration, because then you don't know if he got, if he, did he had the COVID right there or he got it after he went into the hospital, and they took care of him for the dehydration or something, and then then he got the COVID there. It's always always going to eat at you. Yeah. So either way, you're gonna you're gonna have that thought. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's uh, incredible. Did you have anything else that you'd like to say to the listeners today? I'd want to tell to the listeners to get prepared, to be prepared, to always have that backup plan, to use your, 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 your resources because that is wonderful. You can have everything all in one place to get organized. Don't wait until something happens to try to get things together. If you're listening to us right now today, this is the day, the hour, the time now. Now is that when you need to start getting organized. So when things happen, you already have. And if nothing happened, well, good. You still have everything organized. That's right. You know, God like no mess. So it's a good thing that you have everything organized. So that way, anything that happens, you are prepared. And not only that, then you can also help other people around you. Once you are prepared and you know what to do, then you can share that with everybody else. Absolutely. All the people. and help All the the people you love. Right. Exactly. Get organized also and get their papers together the same way. Things that you want to get together, it's anything that had to do with your health care, anything that had to do with your funeral and funeral expensive, if you are pre prepaying those things. And if you have any life insurance and any benefits that you get in your job, like short term disability and things like that. That's one thing I we, we did good is that when my husband got sick, I knew already about his short term disability. So I was able to contact his job and get that roll that ball uh, rolling. Mm-hmm. You know, in the meantime, while while he was there, so that we can have some income coming in. But it's not hard not if you don't know, right? It's if it you don't know, then you have that. There's some wife that doesn't know even what the husband's is, 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 uh, benefits are. What yes. they do. you're supposed to know that, and husbands over there, you're supposed to tell your wife. That's that. That's why your wife's supposed to be your helpmate for them to know everything. I don't understand that, that thing that marriages one knows something and they do everything separate. It's supposed to be everything together. And they're both supposed to know everything about the other person so they know what to act at the time of an emergency. That's funny because I was at a trade show once and I stopped some women with some baby buggies and I said, hey, do you have a backup plan? Oh, yes, my husband looks after all of that. Oh, really? I'm sure he does. <laughs> but what about you? You know, I don't understand that. You need to know everything. I, mean, I don't like, believe it. Figured, figured out every single thing. Because yeah. you never know, like I said. That, well, what, even, what even not even for your spouse, but what about your mom or your dad or your aunt or your sister or your brother? You should yeah. know. You should know. You know, I even say for the little things that don't even ma- maybe matter very much. But what kind, you know, maybe Aunt Sally has a cat. Well, what kind of food does the cat eat? Um what, who's the vet of the cat if the cat gets sick and Aunt Sally's in the hospital with COVID? How do you keep pay for her lights to stay on while she's in there? How do you keep the household going while she's in there? What exactly. if she has kids? What if, who's going to look after them while she's in there? Like, there's so many different things, little things that, you know, you don't even think about. And emergency kits in the app and the worksheets are in there so it helps you talk to other family members um yeah it's incredible um your story you know is is the perfect scenario for people to think about planning and whether it's their health or what they want in death or what they want if they're sick or what they want for someone else close to them perhaps even is that so yeah, it's crazy how people are not taking charge of their own life. And Maybe. I think that's what your tagline should be. 
Yes, yes. You have to take care of yourself because if you don't, if you don't do that, who's gonna do it for you? Nobody, right. nobody's gonna. Is is a uh, more in debt with your welfare than yourself? Yes, yes. And you know, I talk about like way back when, and say in the Little House of Prairies era, you know, the 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 man of the house or the man of the farm would take brown paper bags and he would roll up the deed of the property and he'd roll up any documents that they had and they twist them all together in our brown paper bag and he'd shove them in the rafters up in the attic or in the basement or whatever. That was their backup plan. That was so everybody in the family knew that's where they went to get the documents. What do we do now? We have more crap around us more bills to pay than ever before and we're so unorganized and so thank you for coming on our show today you're welcome you're welcome i appreciated the conversation i learned a lot i, I really didn't i wasn't that uh, aware about the backup plan uh, app so i'm gonna i'm gonna get to it <laughs> yeah awesome you know and especially for young people because um they have a lot of social media accounts there's a lot of things in our lives now that's all digital and so we don't get that mail that comes through the mail slot anymore we don't know if uncle george has electricity bill that needs to be paid and where we don't know where his accounts are we don't know where the keys are for the shed we don't know a lot of different things or or how much you know, if, if your aunt or uncle had a lot of um, hobbies and had a lot of things that were worth a lot of things, you know, like I was talking about a, a man who collected fire trucks. I know that's an odd thing, but people collect artwork or mm -hmm. hobby types of things. And sometimes they're worth a lot of money. Well, when you leave this earth, that other person, the family members, may not know how much that stuff is worth. They may not know who to contact to, where do I sell it? Do I sell it? Do I keep it? There's a lot of questions to be asked about that stuff that you loved and cherished while you were alive. But now that you're gone, nobody knows what the hell it is. You know, I wouldn't know if it was the trunk of the car or the hood of the car or the door of the car or, or <laughs> that was the handle that was on the inside or the outside. Like, I mean, it doesn't mean anything to me, but it meant something to them. Exactly. And it might be worth a lot of money too. So let's not just sell it to any Tom, Dick or Harry that comes along and says, Hey, I'll give you, you know, a hundred dollars for it. And it's really worth $10,000. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to think about that we forget. And our medical is probably the most important one. Yes, that's the one of the most important one. And then the second will be your insurances and your preparedness. And prepare when you're young. I don't know why people wait until too late. Now jobs uh, provide that kind of, uh, of benefits that help you get organized. So it doesn't matter what age you have, get your life insurance together. And also, you know, if you have children already plan, uh, 
contingency plan of what's going to happen to your children when you, in, in, in the event that you're not there, who's going to be taking care of them, that you already have somebody go to a lawyer, I mean, everything notarized yeah. and legal. So you have all that prepared and then let the people, the rightful people to know where everything is so that you have the plan and people will carry out your wishes. They will not do whatever they want. They'll be able to carry out exactly what you want for yourself. That's right. Well, thank you so much for you saying it instead of always me. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on our show today, Coach Ida. I really appreciate all of your knowledge and appreciate your courage to get through this last two years with all the changes that's happened in your life. Wow, that's incredible. You have uh, a lot of strength to get through all of this. And I'm very sorry that you've had to endure all of this at the same time. Um, that's that's crazy. Um, so thank you, everyone. Thank you for taking take that moment and time and subscribe to our channel so that you can, you know, click on that bell to get notification. Realize that no one is Superman. And why not look at what we can do today to be protected? Because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And as you know, I always say, if you have that special person that you're thinking of right now in your mind, reach out, tell them how much you love them and care about them today because tomorrow may not come. So please do that. There'll probably be a lot of phone calling right now after this show. <laughs> um, and you know, the stresses involved with our tragedies that we endure in life can be very overwhelming. So knowing you have a plan can bring you some peace of mind and, and guidance when you need it the most. So I hope that we've inspired you and motivated you to start thinking about your unique plan that you need to put in place. Um, and I always end our podcast with Carol Burnett because she's such a beautiful comedian and makes us all laugh. And I know you you remember who Carol Burnett is. <laughs> it's our generation. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So, so long listeners. Thank you for liking, sharing, and subscribing to our channel and following us on our podcast as well. We are on all 20 platforms. You can find us everywhere. You can find Coach Ida's descriptions and information for her links down below in the description box, as well as I'm sure she can help you. It doesn't matter what country you're from. She'd be happy if you reached out to her and had any questions that come up in your life, I'm sure she would be happy to, to help you. Right? Right. <laughs> yes. So thank you, Coach Ida, for coming. Thank you so very much for coming to our show today. I really, really appreciate it. And each and every one of you that come out to watch our show, I really do appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Danke für Zuhören, meine deutsche Freunde auch. Thank you for my German friends as well. Um, you don't get out this out of this uh, this life alive, people. So make sure you have a plan today. <laughs> be safe. Be kind. Lots of love. Bye. Till next time.